Some cars are comfy on the inside but don't have power on the outside. And some cars have the horsepower but none of the comfort. I used to think there weren't any cars that were the total package. But that all changed when I got my Honda SUV. It's rugged and sophisticated. And right now, Honda has deals on the entire Honda SUV lineup. CRV, HRV, Pilot, Passport, you name it. So if you're looking for a car that's the total package, the only place you'll find it is at your local Honda dealer. Hurry before they're all gone. Thanks for the streams. Thanks for the download. Thanks for the subscription to Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. Uh, uh, you know by now. Help me out. NotSam.com slash Amazon. Subscribe to the podcast. Rate, review on iTunes. But most of all, buy a ticket to see Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast live. It's a podcast event for all of you, the wrestling geeks. I'm so looking forward to it. Surprise guests. Dan Soder, exclusive merch. A whole bunch of stuff is going down Wednesday night. August 16th, it's less than a week away, at the Highline Ballroom in New York City. You're going to want to be there in person. You'll regret it if you don't buy tickets, so buy them now. Go to HighlineBallroom.com, HighlineBallroom.com, or at NotSam across social media. Get your tickets now to see Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast live Wednesday, August 16th at the Highline Ballroom, okay? In the meantime... Let's start the show. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. Introducing your host from New York, here is Sam Roberts. Oh, let's get ready for fun. Here it is, Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast, and a lot to talk about this week. There's always a lot to talk about. I feel like every single week I start the show by saying there's a lot to talk about, but... One of these weeks, I'll, I'll start the show and be like, not a lot to talk about this week. Not much going on, but I promise I'll be able to ramble for at least 90 minutes or so. Maybe 75. But regardless, I'll ramble for a while and we'll get somewhere. Not this week. This week, we've got a lot going on. we got a big interview uh, with Joey Janela, who's a big independent wrestling star. Uh, and, and a name that I think you're going to be hearing a lot of over the course of the next couple years. Uh, and I, I love the idea of getting to talk to him and introduce him to some of you now and to those of you that know him, which I'm sure is a lot of people, uh, getting to know him a little better. So he's going to be our guest this week. We're going to be talking about uh, the lead up to SummerSlam that we saw on Raw and SmackDown. I've got, uh, for those of you that subscribe to my email list via NotSam.com, you already know SummerSlam 3 is going down. At Caroline's on Broadway SummerSlam week. Two, two huge live shows are happening SummerSlam week. As always, um, SummerSlam is going to be on Thursday afternoon. I don't know if it's always Thursday afternoon. It's usually sometime around then. But Thursday afternoon, next Thursday, August 17th, it's going to be SummerSlam. It's going to be from Caroline's on Broadway like it has been over the last, this will be the third year. We're going to have uh, guests from WWE, and it's going to be done in conjunction with SiriusXM, a big shindig. Um, and I'll tell you who the guests are later on in the show. During the uh, the bridge segment between the interview and the wrestling uh, uh, state of wrestling, I will tell you who the guests are. You're not going to want to miss that. It's very, very exciting. 
Uh, but the night before that is, of course, Wednesday night, and that's the night that you need to be at the Highline Ballroom. Get tickets at HighlineBallroom.com, and I'll tell you, you know, you can see there's an option for VIP tickets. Uh, a couple of things not listed on the website at HighlineBallroom.com that you get with that VIP pass. Everything that's on the website, plus you will get a, a brand new Sam Roberts pin, whether it's the Not Sam pin or the uh, Sam Roberts cartoon character pin. That's up to you. I posted photos of them on social media uh, during the week. But those pins will be on sale for the first time at the event. You will get one for free with a VIP ticket. You will also get guaranteed entry into Summer Sam the following afternoon at Caroline's on Broadway. It is a free event, but what that means is it tends to fill up. It filled up last year. It will fill up this year. I will give you all the details for getting on the uh, the, the list, the general admittance list, uh, later on in the show today. But if you want guaranteed, guaranteed VIP uh, 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 list access, if you buy a VIP ticket on Wednesday night, I'm going to get you into Caroline's. I'm going to make sure you get in for free. So uh, very, very exciting times. Go to HighlineBallroom.com to buy those tickets. I got to spend the weekend being a wrestling fan. And I know, that, I mean, you know I'm a wrestling fan tried and true. That's why I do this podcast. That's why I started it in the first place. So I could talk about wrestling from the perspective of a wrestling fan to other wrestling fans. Um... But, you know, with everything that I've gotten to do, it's not there's not that many shows that I end up buying a ticket to go see and, and spending money on the meet and greet, right? Because I, I, I know so many people now. That's the one drawback to establishing relationships with so many of these guys that we watch is that I'm not going to, you know, buy the meet and greet to see them. Same reason why, you know, you're not going to see the guys that know me buying meet and greets to Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast Live at Highline Ballroom. But there was an event this weekend that took me back to where I started as a wrestling fan. Um, and I've always been, before this podcast, long before this podcast, I've always had an association with the internet and with wrestling. When I was 12 or so, 12 or 13 years old, I had a, a wrestling figure newsletter. Every Sunday or Saturday, I don't know, every weekend... I would send out to my newsletter list, I think it was called The Curtain Call, and I would send out all the wrestling figure news that I collected over the week uh, to all my subscribers, and I started this wrestling figure newsletter because I liked being online, I liked writing, I liked wrestling figures, and I liked communicating with fellow wrestling fans even back then. Um, I, I A couple years after that, after I shut that newsletter down, I had a... a, a unsuccessful business because I had no artistic ability, but I was making custom accessories for wrestling action figures using fabric and Sculpey and paint and things like that, making weapons and barbed wire and shirts and uh, whatever needed to be made that wasn't being made by Jack Pacific at the time, I was making. Move a step further, I was a tape trader. That was the most recent thing. Before I was a wrestling podcaster, I was a wrestling tape trader. I had uh, thousands and thousands of wrestling shows on VHS tape. If you were a tape trader back then, odds are we probably traded at some point. Because, I mean, I was getting tapes and sending tapes on a daily basis for about two years. I had to stop when I went to college because I didn't have room in my dorm room for all the VHS tapes. So... I was exposed to a lot of new wrestling when I became a tape trader online. Um, you know, I, I, I was pretty familiar 
with the United States independent scene. Uh, I picked up a lot uh, on stuff that I wasn't able to watch via magazines like Pro Wrestling Illustrated. But when I became a tape trader, that's when uh, I started getting access to full television episodes of the, some of the stuff that was going on in the territory days. I had a big collection of world-class stuff. Um, some of the uh, international stuff, Mexican stuff, Japanese stuff. Most importantly for this conversation, deathmatch stuff. Deathmatch wrestling became very, very popular in the 90s, um, especially in Japan, because in Japan they could get away with a lot more than we could get away with here in the States just because of laws and fire marshals and things like that. In Japan, they would just let them go buck wild in the ring. So while in the States, you had a classic barbed wire match here and there. You'd have Sabu versus Terry Funk in a barbed wire match. Uh, I think uh, the Sandman and Cactus Jack might have had a barbed wire match in ECW at one point, but they were few and far between. In Japan, you know, Cactus Jack was able to uh, uh, gain a, a certain notoriety by winning the King of the Je Deathmatch title in 1995 from a promotion called IWA. And other people in that tournament were Terry Funk, who Cactus Jack wrestled in the finals, uh, Terry Gordy was in that tournament, a, a whole slew, I think uh, Tiger Jeet Singh was in that tournament, uh, lots of people were in that tournament, so that was my first taste of Japanese deathmatch wrestling, and I started to go further, and I found uh, Big Japan, Big Japan Pro Wrestling, and they would put on like the crazy deathmatches, they'd have uh, uh, cactus deathmatches, not with Cactus Jack, but where uh, wrestlers would, would fling their opponents into actual cacti, spiked cactuses. Uh, piranha death matches, where they'd have a tank of man-eating piranhas, and the only way to win the match would be to dump your opponent in the piranha tank. They had uh, all kinds of stuff with Big Japan Wrestling. And as I as I, I, I as I went further and further into this thing, I, I discovered uh, a superstar named uh, Atsushi Onida, and Onida was a legend in Japan, especially in deathmatch wrestling. Uh, Onida is responsible in part or primarily, uh, for a promotion called FMW, Frontier Martial Arts Wrestling. That was his promotion. And FMW specialized in the deathmatch. Um, you'd have superstars like uh, uh, Onita, of course. Mr. Pogo wrestled. Uh, Terry Funk would spend some time in FMW, and people would come over, and they would put on these spectacular deathmatches. But what they specialized in and what attracted my attention to them was the exploding deathmatch. They, uh, they, would, they would rig the barbed wire that surrounded the ring with explosives so that when you flung your opponent into the barbed wire, it blew up. There were, there were little firecrackers on it. They did an exploding ring match. They did an exploding ring inside of a pool match. They would build cages of barbed wire and rig the cages with explosives. Um... You know, they'd have uh, beds of barbed wire where they'd take plywood and put barbed wire all over it, and then they'd have uh, C4 explosives in the barbed wire on, the, on this bed that had been made. And, you know, these guys are slamming each other onto the thing. And when you're 16, 17, 18 years old in the late 90s, early 2000s, this stuff is unbelievable. I mean, I loved it. You have promotions, you know, that try... XPW was a promotion that... Uh, came on as a competitor to ECW and then tried to take over after ECW went out of business unsuccessfully. But they tried to uh, uh, become the, the holders of a, the title of Deathmatch Kings 
in the United States of America. But it wasn't until 1999 when a promotion called CZW, Combat Zone Wrestling, entered the scene that uh, death matches became all that regular in my mind in the United States. You'd have some, you know, you'd have Ian Rotten doing uh, death matches in IWA Mid South, but not to the extent of what was going on in Japan with Onita and his peers. But Combat Zone Wrestling popped up in 1999. And I was going through some of my VHS tapes this week, and I found, you know, I have master copies, meaning I bought them directly from the promotion, of the original CZW VHS tapes, the first Cage of Death show, the first... I have them on VHS. Um, Because I was interested, because I was a fan, because I was like, how is this going to translate over to America? And, you know, it's not... It didn't hit the mainstream, of course. It's never going to. But it was something different. Um, and over the years, CZW has become famous for death matches, and they've been kind of the one promotion in the United States that has been able to uh, maintain this tradition of, of death matches, which is much more difficult to do now than it was, you know, 15 years ago with the culture that we live in. You know, this is not a death match friendly culture that we live in anymore. So... A big announcement was made a couple of months ago. Atsushi Onita has only wrestled in the United States really with any sort of notoriety once. And it was in 1992, and it was at a small independent show in California. I think it was like FMW America or something. They were trying it. Uh, It was not an exploding ring match. It was not a barbed wire match. It was a six-man tag. And that was all he did in America. There's a lot of stuff that they tried to get him to do. At one point, he showed up in ECW. And he was in the ECW arena, um, but he did not look like the Onita that we know him as. You know, he came out in like a kimono, and that's not what Onita would wear. Uh, Onita, uh, uh, and and he never, and it, apparently what was being built was a match between Onita and the Sandman to go down for Extreme Championship Wrestling. And I'm sure it would be some kind of exploding barbed wire match. Match never happened. Years go by. XPW. Extreme Pro Wrestling that we talked about earlier says, well, we're going to get Onita. We've got him. And he's going to come in and he's going to, you know, be a kayfabe co-owner of XPW. And he's going to wrestle Sabu in an exploding barbed wire match. They did a press conference. They had Onita on their TV. The match never happened. That Onita match never happened. And after ECW and XPW both faded away, you had CZW, as I said, But CZW was a small, local promotion. And when XPW and ECW could not figure out how to make this work on a big level, the national eye kind of turned away from deathmatch wrestling, and the thought was that we would not simply never see Atsushi Onita wrestle in the United States of America in any kind of barbed wire exploding, whatever. The Onita that we know, apart from one exception, For that weird match in 1992, we just won't see it. Go forward to 2017, and we get this announcement from Combat Zone Wrestling that Onita is coming to the United States, and he is going to wrestle in a death match against Matt Tremont, who's a superstar or wrestler, whatever they call him, in CZW. Um... And Matt Tremont has been doing these death matches for a long time now. I think he's won like six King of the Deathmatch tournaments uh, for CZW. He's, he's done all kinds of just crazy, crazy 
extreme, gory, bloody stuff. All kinds of stuff. But they announced that Onita, CZW announces that Onita is coming in to America, to CZW, to wrestle Matt Tremont. And I, like most people, were skeptical that this would ever happen. My expectations were low. And all of a sudden, I see Onita tweeting about it. And all of a sudden, I see Onita participating in YouTube promos, saying that the match is going to happen. And Matt Tremont is furthering the story via YouTube, saying that this match is going to happen. And CZW still selling tickets to the event. And CZW uh, announcing, you know, that there's going to be a meet and greet with Onita. And CZW announcing that there's going to be exclusive t-shirts at the venue promoting this dream match. And they're calling the show once in a lifetime. All these things that, like, if Onita didn't show up, all the social media uh, buzz would be a waste. And this, like, uh, once-in-a-lifetime title for the show would make no sense. A bunch of people would be showing up for this meet-and-greet with nothing to do. And they'd have t-shirts where one of the guys on the shirt isn't even showing up for the show. So I said, this may actually happen. And... I started reaching out to a couple people that I know in CZW and saying, is this really going to happen? And they're going, yeah, Onita's coming. Onita is coming. To the point where on Thursday, Onita tweeted out a photo in the airport. And I said, oh my God, he's actually coming. He's actually doing this. And I went right back to being in the mindset of that kid who was trading tapes and watching Onita matches. Just jaw agape. I bought a ticket. I went on the internet, and I bought a ticket to the show. And I decided I was going to go to the meet and greet, too. I said, when am I going to get a chance to spend time with Onita? Ever. When am I going to meet Onita? When am I going to get a photo with Onita? When is that going to happen? So I went to the show. And before I went to the show, the night before, I went over to my mom's house, where she keeps everything I've ever done. So she has my whole wrestling VHS collection. So I go through, looking through all the tapes, and I find my copy of the Best of Explosion Deathmatches Volume 2 from RF Video, the master copy, not a copy of a copy, a copy I ordered from the website back when, whenever I ordered it, you know, or very early 2000s. And I, and, and I find it and I grab it and I go, this is my thing. So I go to the show and I can't believe it. I go to this meet and greet and Onita is there. Onita is actually at the show. And, you know, it's really interesting because you go to these meet and greets and a lot of times people are stressed, you know. I mean, think about it. There, there, there's this nervous energy that as a fan you get when you're waiting in line for a meet and greet. And you're worried it's not going to happen or it's not going to go right. And then the minute anybody says, well, you have to get on this line or you have to wait over here or whatever it is, you get this nervous energy. People get mean. It becomes ugly quickly. Not the case at this once-in-a-lifetime CZW uh, meet and greet because... The vibe in the room, the vibe in the venue, was that everybody was just so relieved that Onita was actually there. Like, almost everything else was going to be just gravy, you know? So, whatever. I mean, I meet the guy. I did it. I got online for the meet and greet, paid my money, uh, uh, took a photo, got my VHS tape signed. Onita could not have been a, a sweeter guy. Nice man. You know, said hello, da-da-da, took a photo, move along. And... Interestingly enough, in all the years I've been aware of CZW, I had never been to a CZW show before. So I sat down in my seat and got ready for the show, and I have to tell you, it was a very good show. There are some people who were dissatisfied with the show. So 
leading up to the show, people first said that Onita wasn't going to show up. Then the rumor was that because uh, uh, Onita was bringing some of his FMW guys with him, that the match at the last minute would be turned into a six-man tag. It was not going to be this one-on-one match as advertised. I probably still would have purchased a ticket for a six-man tag match just to watch Onita come to the ring, look like Onita, have Wild Thing playing through the speakers, have him throw water into the audience. Like, that is what I wanted to see. And then have him, you know, get cut up with some barbed wire or something. Maybe see an explosion or two. Like, I didn't need to see much, but I think... Because CZW has such a reputation of ultra-violence, people had higher expectations uh, than I did because some people were disappointed in the main event. Some people were disappointed because what happened was they do that. Onita has his entrance just like I want to see it. Uh, They square off Onita and Matt Tremont, and they probably did somewhere between five and ten minutes one-on-one. It was a no-ropes barbed wire match. No explosions uh, that I could see visibly. But they did have, which I've never seen before, exploding barbed wire baseball bats that exploded when you hit your opponent, which is genius. So uh, they pulled one of those out. Onita hit Matt Tremont with the exploding barbed wire bat. The explosion went off a, a millisecond early, but it was noticeable, which is a shame. But still, he hits Onita with the exploding bat. Then the guys come out, a schmoz happens, and then it turns into a six-man tag. Not what was advertised, no. But I guess my expectations were so low, I was just happy that we got even five to ten minutes of a match being a one-on-one match. You know, Onita is 60 years old. So we got this one on, we, we got, you know, a few minutes of a one-on-one match. It turned into a six-man tag. They used uh, two other barbed wire baseball bats that exploded. The two other exploding barbed wire baseball bats exploded at the right times. Uh, so that was cool. And I just, and, and, you know, there's barbed wire and blood and it was, it was, it was what I wanted out of the night. You know, it was what I wanted out of the night. Some people not so much, but for me, it was, it, 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 it completely met my expectations and it was what I wanted. Look, we forget, and maybe it's not the case anymore with indie wrestling, but there was a time when I was in high school and you'd go to indie wrestling shows only the most naive of naive people would actually expect everybody that's advertised to be there to actually be on the show. This was a time where yeah, posters would come up with all the names in the world. I would go to indie shows where not one name from the poster was on the show. And maybe I was dealing with a bunch of carnies, I don't know. But the fact that we at least got what was advertised to us on some level, um, I was really, really satisfied with. Uh, and I had a great time at the show. Beyond the Onita Deathmatch, which... Again, just watching Onita involved in any kind of deathmatch just took me back to being in high school and being a pure fan, you know, that was just watching for the love of the game. And it's really, really great to be able to do stuff like that. It's just, it was so much fun to just be a fan. But I uh, uh, really thought the rest of the show was great. You know, there was a, 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 an awesome uh, world championship match between their champion Shane Strickland and Masada with uh, a couple spots of, like, violence and blood, but not overdoing it. Um, there was a multi-person aerial match that got weird. Uh, and there was a match between Joey Janela and Leo Rush that I thought was terrific, aside from one spot, which we'll address. Leo Rush is a, a, a guy who's 23 years old, 
He's in amazing shape. He, he's a small guy, but he does amazing things. He's really, really talented, and I guess he just got signed by WWE. He's going over to, uh, prob- I'm sure, to NXT. He's not going to be one of these guys that pops up on the main roster. But he's had a series of matches with this guy, Joey Janela, in CZW. And Joey Janela is a guy that I've known for a long time. Joey Janela, uh, I've known for probably five, six years now. He uh, has been on the East Coast Indies for a while. Um, he had a little bit of a reputation for not being uh, the coolest guy in the beginning when he was young. Uh, but I, I heard that a lot of that had changed uh, in recent years. He wrestled as Starman for a while, the character in the Nintendo wrestling game. Uh, but since then, has dropped that gimmick and just become the bad boy Joey Janela. He is the guy who, you've seen the viral videos, he got uh, in a match with uh, Zandig, again, for CZW. He got thrown off a building through uh, light tubes and into some fire. A, a truck was on fire with light tubes on it, and he just got thrown into all of it. Um, off of a building, a very, very tall building. Uh, that made That went very, very viral. That went everywhere. He, in his first match back from that, I believe was on the ceiling of a building. He climbed a ladder. He got up to the ceiling. He moved uh, on the ceiling using the like uh, steel beams that are on the ceiling, ceiling. And then he dropped himself onto his opponent from the ceiling through a table. A match with Leo Rush, by the way. Uh, that was amazing. And he went viral again a little bit this week, um, as did Joey Ryan and Mick Foley, when he powerbombed Leo Rush at this show that I went to on Saturday, off a ladder, through a table, and Leo Rush no-sold it harder than anyone's ever no-sold anything before, meaning Leo Rush popped right up, stood there, and stared at him as if nothing had happened. Uh, A lot of opinions on this thing. I think that this is a little different than the Joey Ryan thing. You know, people got upset because Joey Ryan does his penis suplex. And Mick Foley applied the mandible claw to his penis, I guess, over the weekend. And I, I don't know. I thought that that was just comedy wrestling. That's fine. That's part of that's part of the routine. The Joey Janela spot, for me, in the moment, I didn't really care. I was like, okay, that's weird, but it's an indie show. Like, weird stuff happens here. It's not the end-all, be-all. The one convincing argument I had was somebody saying, somebody who's a wrestler, because I'm not a wrestler at the end of the day. So my opinion on it is very different from somebody who actually does this for a living and the wrestler that I talked to said look I understand Joey Janela is just doing his thing but when we're trying to convince an audience that the stuff that we do is dangerous what do we always say hey maybe we pull our punches maybe we do this maybe we do that but you can't fake breaking a table you can't fake getting hit by a chair you can't fake jumping off a ladder and what does he do what does he do he no sells the one thing that we have, going off a ladder through a table. And I was like, that's actually a great point. That does take away a little something. But that said, um, you know, whatever. As a spectator, it didn't take me out of the night, if that makes sense. Maybe it would have if I was watching on home. It very well might have. But with all that said, my guest this week is Joey Janela, the bad boy. Uh, and I wanted to talk to him about that without being overly critical of it. I really wanted to hear his opinion of it. As a guy who's wrestling, as a guy who's been in uh, the business, as it were, for several years, um, the business of pro wrestling, that is, for several years, as a guy who interacts 
with these other shares a locker room with the guys that uh, that say that spots like this are killing the business. I wanted to talk to Joey Janela about some of the stuff that he's done that is is crazy and many call stupid about spots like that that are killing the business reportedly and just about who he is and how he got started. So here it is. Hopefully he's going to be a star in the future because then this interview will really be something. If if this is as big as he ever gets, then okay, we got him at his peak, but it's really great to get him on the come up. This, (laughs) ladies and gentlemen, is uh, Joey Janela on Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. Thank you for sitting through this elongated intro. And now, the Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast interview. Here for the first time, though somebody that's made a, a pretty big splash over the internet over the last, probably over the last year or so, I've known you for longer than that, but over the last year or so, I feel like you've really upped your presence. Joey Janella. Hey. What's going on, man? Uh, not that much. Yeah? Kind of hungover. <laughs> well, that's the life, right? That's the way you, yeah, that's you're the supposed bad to be boy. at. Yeah, yeah, that's the 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 path the bad boy likes to lead. Yeah, if the bad boy is going to be on a podcast, he should be hungover. Yeah, I think every time I've done a podcast, I've been hungover. Or drunk. Or drunk. Right. <laughs> yeah, if you're not one of those two things, it's like, ah, it's I've just d- a gimmick. I've done a few podcasts where I, I was... Really drunk, and I didn't want to listen to what I said. No, <laughs> hungover is better. If you have yeah, to pick yeah, one. better, better. <laughs> well, man, I guess uh, I've known you for for a long time since you were uh, since you were Starman. <laughs> so Joey Janela, for those of you guys that don't know, is uh, he's a he's an indie wrestler, uh, pretty East Coast based, but you've been you've been spreading your wings as of late. Uh, you probably know him first as the guy who took the bump off the roof. <laughs> Then, as the guy who took the bump off the ceiling, then as the guy from Joey Janela's Spring Break. Is that right? More yeah, or less? Yeah, with little, uh, little, little stunts in between, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> well, have you always been like the person? Because I remember, and it sucks because when you were doing Starman, you did Starman for what was PWS at the time that's kind of evolved into WrestlePro. But even when you were doing Starman, like you were doing. Janella type stunts. I saw you like so. PWS was running in a building called the Rawway Rec Center, which is like kind of like a like a high school gym looking building, but the ceilings are super tall, and there are these giant pillars. And I remember specifically one show as Starman, you climbing up to like the top of one of those pillars and just jumping off. Yeah, I used to go to Jersey All Pro shows there mm-hmm. like every month as like a teenager. Yeah. So I always like looked at that pillar and I'm like, why isn't Teddy Hart jumped off that yet? Really? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so when I so when I got the opportunity to wrestle there, I'm like, yeah, I'm gonna jump off that pillar. Yeah. Yeah, it was like a they all caught me. I didn't. Have you always been though? Like, cause they didn't. They might not have caught you. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like in hindsight, it happens. It's good. But have you always been the sort of like? If I'm going to do this, I need to do something that's going to stand out. I need to take risks because th- you're literally doing the things that any older wrestler would say that's so <laughs> stupid to do. Yeah, I, even when I was doing like little carny indie companies in Jersey, like when I was like 17 and 18, I was jumping off <laughs> stuff. Uh-huh. But but no, no, it's not recorded anywhere. Like <laughs> so you're just doing it for the live crowd. I was doing it for the live crowd and pop myself. Yeah. Uh, I guess because that's what popped me. <laughs> so is part of that also because, like, you're 17 or 18 years old, you don't really know, you're not a great wrestler yet. Yeah. So you got it, so you're like, well, if I do this, like, nobody else uh, is doing it. 
I thought like I would jump off something and then like CZW would be hit me up the next week. Like you're crazy. <laughs> come come wrestle for us. But that no. really was the that yeah. was the plan. Like you're yeah, like if I, I like, just act like a maniac at these carny shows, CZW is gonna want to put me up. Yeah, yeah. That was like my goal at the time. I was like, I need to wrestle at CZW. So maybe if I jump off something. <laughs> Why, how come CZW was your goal? Is it just because? Um, it's just like growing up. Like that was like what I watched. Like, mm-hmm. As an independent wrestling fan, that was like my company of choice. That and in Jersey All Pro, right? CZW was like I would go there every month. Um, yeah, we'd have my friend's girlfriend drive us. She was like seventeen, eighteen at the time. We were like sixteen, so we just like all right. She'd drive us and go to the shows. There, there's, I feel like there's a that that's become now because CZW has been a long, around for so long. A lot of the guys on the roster kind of have a similar story. Yeah, where they would come up watching the shows and like then go to school and and have that goal of getting into CZW. I think a lot of the wrestlers now at CZW were at one point fans in the crowd or yeah. bought CZW DVDs. I started watching CZW when you remember Kazaa. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was like a music downloader, but you can... it's like after after Napster fell off, Kazaa yeah. kind of picked up where that. Yeah, you can. It would take like two hours to download a bump. Someone like someone like Nick Mondo getting thrown off the roof by uh, Zandig, and it was just like little clips. You weren't downloading like full shows. It would either be clips or like it, it would be something to say. It would be like the how I found CZW is there's a Owen Hart. It said Owen Hart death video. I hate to say <laughs> it, but I was like, oh, I'm gonna download this. Right, because you're what like 14 at the time, yeah, probably like, like 13, 14. Yeah, so I was like. Yeah, I'm going to download this shit. Yeah. I can't believe this exists. And then it was like Nick Mondo getting thrown off a roof. I'm like, what the fuck is this? But knowing all the carny tricks you know about wrestling now, it's probably Nick Mondo that titled that trying to get his clip out to <laughs> as many people as possible. Because that was before it's, YouTube. It's possible. That was the first, like, clickbait when you would just title something. I mean, the same thing was happening on Napster. You would just title it whatever. Yeah, I think it was all, like... It, there's multiple Owen Hard Death videos, but it was just either backyard clips or... Yeah, or Nick Mondo getting thrown off something. So you see that, and then what do you start like researching? Like what? What is like? What is CZW? Where do they perform? Where are they doing their shows? Yeah, it's like um, yeah. I found the website, and I'm like, what the fuck is this? There's, and there's like advertised like hundred thousand thumbtack match. Yeah, I'm like oh, I need to I need to watch this. Yeah. So we started buying the VHSs and. uh you know, from there, uh, my life was ruined. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I, I found out about CCW really early on because I was a tape trader, and so like I was going through old tapes like a week or two ago, and I found that I had like the VHS copies of the first Cage of Death and all those first VHSs that they put out. I have all the copies that I ordered off their website, <laughs> but uh, it's amazing because the company's been around for eighteen years. People don't really realize how long it stayed afloat. Yeah. Basically double the time ECW was around. Yeah. But ECW was at like it was around for ten years. If not that. even Yeah, if that. I don't think I don't think it was even ten years. Yeah. CZW is is still around. Uh, so have you done anything that like makes you pause? Because I well the weird thing about wrestling, right, is that of everything that I've seen you do, whether it's in person or on video, like the the scariest thing was I think it was another I think it was before Russell PWS kind of molded into Russell Pro but you were Starman and it was just some like suicide dive or some kind of apron move like it was very sort of not it was just a typical move but you ended up getting knocked out cold and going into like 
convulsions on the floor. Yeah, it was like a it was like a running drop kick. Yeah. But there was a dive that happened before. It was like a scramble match and uh beforehand they were supposed to dive on the other side of the ring. So when I ran down to throw the drop kick, I had to jump over like three people. So I smacked my head on the floor and so, and did you just go out cold? Because I was there. I don't know. I might have been doing commentary or something. But I was. I remember there because I remember watching it. And like we were like, "What the fuck is he dead?" Because you're like you're. We were unconscious and like going into convulsions and yeah. shaking and stuff on the floor. I went into seizures. Yeah. Uh, I was out for like 15 minutes. Right. It was bad. <laughs> do you do? But but you don't remember any of it, obviously. Uh, I was like, I woke up. I was like, that was the only time I've ever been like knocked out cold. Really? I woke up and I was like, what the fuck? And then <laughs> like, there's EMTs there. They had me on like an oxygen machine. I, I had no idea what was going on. And are you just going like, I'm fine? No, I was like, I was trying to get up and walk, and yeah. they were like, don't walk. And I'm like, fuck. And I'm like, I want to get, I want to go, <laughs> I want to leave. Yeah. And, uh, I don't know. The stretcher came in. They wheeled me out. And for some reason, I flipped off the crowd. I don't know. <laughs> on the way out. I don't Which know. Which is like, really makes no Because weren't you still Starman at the time? Yeah. That doesn't make any sense. Yeah. <laughs> They're like, yeah, you flipped off the crowd. I'm like, I don't know. I don't know why. Because Starman's like a lovable character. Yeah, no. <laughs> and I was flipping off the crowd. He was all worried about Starman. <laughs> like how the, when, when a football player gets hurt, they throw up the towel I flipped. But you flipped the finger yeah, instead. I flipped the finger. I don't, I don't That's know. That's your instinct, though. I don't know why, but that definitely fucked fuck me for life. I, I like post-concussion syndrome from that. Do you? Yeah, from that one. Wow. So how, does, how is it? Because you're young to be, like, even feeling effects at all. Yeah, just, like, panic disorder came from it. You got panic disorder from that fall? Yeah. Like, wow. Like, a week after, I started getting panic attacks. How, how did they, like, manifest? Just, like, out of nowhere. They just, like, but what do you feel? Like, just anxiety? or? Yeah, just anxiety. It could be from a concussion, or it could be just, like, my, my mom got panic had a panic disorder so. so maybe it all just clicked in at the same maybe the concussion just woke up this sleeping demon yeah or whatever. yeah i still get them but not as bad i know how to handle myself yeah when you start when you when when something like that happens like this is what's crazy to me right something like that happens and you go like oh like this brain stuff is real like this is there's all kinds of weird stuff going on i feel like i would immediately go like i can't do any more crazy stuff i got to re configure everything because obviously there are effects with this stuff but you went way crazier (laughs) like now like you think my stuff looks crazy but most of my stuff i could protect myself on or i know i can get out of it without you know dying but um so you start you you feel like your stuff is safer now because you actually know what you're doing yeah back in the day it was just like like just do it you know and you know hope for the best (laughs) I didn't care about concussions or anything like that. Well, because you're, until you get a concussion, you're invincible, right? You're not yeah. going to get a concussion. Yeah, I, I've had quite a few, but um, but yeah, it's just like now, I just like very, very protective and make my stuff look crazy, you know? Right. I'm never going to get thrown off a building again, but... Well, that's what it's going to... So, so how, does, how does the building spot come about? You Obviously, uh, Zandig was coming out of uh, retirement, and... Were you the? Did you want like that's that's the match I want? I grew up a CZW fan because he's like a CZW legend. Yeah, he used to be the owner of CZW. Uh, but the thing was that there was this Facebook circulating, and it was Zandig. But people were like, "That's not Zandig. That's just a fake guy mm-hmm. pretending he's Zandig." Uh-huh. And so then I'm like, uh, I don't know. It might be Zandig because there's pictures of him with his grandchildren <laughs> and stuff, so uh-huh. his kids and 
I'm like, no, nah, I think that might be Xandig. So I started like calling him out on Facebook. <laughs> hey, come, <laughs> come throw me off a building. <laughs> just out of nowhere. Yeah, just like, hey, come throw me off a building. And then <laughs> I guess he asked around and he's like, is this kid fucking crazy? <laughs> he's like, all right, I'll come out of retirement, throw him off a building. <laughs> so, like, so the whole thing was because you started it on Facebook. Yeah. yeah. That's so funny. <laughs> That's how we start most of my... Uh, well, yeah, I mean, that's how I, I, I remember you had a GoFundMe to wrestle Marty Jannetty. Yeah. Right, yeah, right. Yeah. And then that kind of spawned into Joey Janela's spring break, right? Yeah, actually wrestling Marty Jannetty. Yeah. But, I mean, I guess that's the way indie wrestling kind of works now on a bigger scale. Because you could, I mean, the uh, Matt Tremont Onita match happened because Tremont started calling out Onita. Yeah. Like, it wasn't like this thing, like, okay. First, you call me out. Then I'm going to wait for a while. And then you, like, sometimes you just call a person out. And when there's interest, they want to do business. Yeah, it's just like I, I I just started. That was, like, one of the first ones. But I've called people out before. So now I basically just call somebody out and it'll get booked somewhere. Like Right. So who, I, who, who have you called out that it hasn't worked? Uh, Vader. You haven't gotten a Vader match? No. Why? He's just uh... <laughs> he's just a uh, grump to deal with. Yeah, uh, he says I'm too small for him to wrestle. And uh, <laughs> I mean, that seems like <laughs> it's I'm just too small for him. He, okay, and he's like a, I'm not a behemoth, so he won't. Uh... Well, could you just send him the video of you getting thrown off a building and be like, well, that kind of, <laughs> see here's the credibility for me being a tough guy. <laughs> I got thrown off a building. Yeah, it's just I don't know. He, he we went back and forth for a minute and. Uh, he called me a piece of shit and a couple <laughs> other things I said I was going to – I said he was uh, lying about stuff and he he would message – the promoter was trying to message him to book book him versus me and he would be like, I'm not wrestling that <laughs> that piece of shit. Because <laughs> he would take it personally? <laughs> yeah, he took it personally. <laughs> oh, my God. But I don't even know how – why I started calling out Vader. I have, I have no idea. Was well, that what you do? You just sit at home when you're not wrestling like, ah, what are we going to do next? What are we going to do next? What if I call this person out? <laughs> I just go on Twitter. I just tell you, I want to wrestle this guy. <laughs> I want to fight this guy. Fuck you. And then uh, <laughs> someone books it now. It's <laughs> yeah. Like, it, it does seem like you're more. Uh, I don't know if uh, forward thinking is the right word, but in terms of using social media and things like that, like as far as indie wrestlers go, I can't think of somebody who has gotten farther quicker on kind of creating social media buzz and stuff than you. Yeah, um, I really didn't use, like, when I was Starman, I started getting into the Twitter and stuff. Yeah. Uh, and realized you can use it as a as a, as a tool, you right. know, to advance your career, uh, especially if you uh, have no filter and you're very loose with what you say. Yes. Uh, that might not help me in the long run. No. But I've never said anything too crazy that it could... Uh, damage my career. Do you think about that now? Like, okay, I'm going to call this guy out, but long term, is this a tweet that like five years from now, the WWE doesn't want to find after doing a search of Joey Janela? Yeah, it's not, I've never really said any, I've, I curse up a storm on there, but I've never really said anything. I think that could, uh, you know, hurt, hurt that. Yeah. Who knows? It's whatever they want. You yeah. Know? If they want me bad enough, they'll, they'll figure out a way. Right. You know, even if it, I have to delete my social media and it'll disappear into oblivion. Wouldn't that be ironic that your social media gets you there and they're like, but you got to delete the social media. It's crazy. Yeah. You got your mind? Yeah. It's just, uh, especially with 
with the, the way WWE is and the way I look at their the way they do social media, I'd be like, oh, <laughs> yeah, you'd have to you'd have to change a lot because <laughs> yeah. like now you're promoting this whole thing. Do you uh, uh, obviously, even though you work closely with CZW, you view yourself purely as independent because it seems like most of what you do is not. It's like if this happened in CZW, great, but let's just make this match happen somewhere. Yeah, now like I'm more all over the place. Yeah. So it like if a promoter will book it somewhere, you know, you'll book it. it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I've I've wrestled almost every big independent medium independent in the United States. Mm-hmm. Um besides maybe like two. Who are uh, the two? Uh PWG and Evolve. But I've worked for Gabe before in his other products, but never So is that like a is PWG something that that is a sort of more immediate goal than something like WWE, or is it one of those things where if it happens, great? Yeah, if it happens, it happens. Uh, WWE is the goal. New Japan is the goal. Um, so but, WWE is the goal. Oh, absolutely. Do you think about that? Like you're like, well, WWE, when they tell the Joey Janela story, let's say you're there. Let's say you know they're doing one of these documentaries, whatever it is. When they tell the Joey Janela story, they're not going to want to tell this. They're not going to want to use a bunch of footage of a guy falling off a building into light tubes or stuff like that. Do you worry that the stuff that gets you kind of buzz is not necessarily stuff that's in their wheelhouse? I wouldn't say that. I, you know, I it is quite. I've done some quite the crazy uh, went quite the crazy route. <laughs> so um, I'm sure you know when when WWE you know they capitalized on Foley. They showed all of his his nonsense. That's true. His craziness, his King of the Death matches, you know, and and now on WWE dot com they'll they'll revisit Dean Ambrose as Moxley and CZW and say, oh yeah, he he got <laughs> he got thrown through glass and barbed yeah. wire. So I don't think they shy away from that stuff. Uh-huh. But I don't know. I, I it's weird. I I've never worked for the like I've never done extra work or anything. So I I don't know how things run there. Would you do extra work, or is it something where you're kind of trying to stay away until you're asked for or wanted or whatever that is uh guys are up there all the time trying to get me to do extra work yeah but i don't know it's like if you dress me up as a security guard on raw and i don't know twitter is gonna be like Joey <laughs> Janella. <laughs> so i don't know i don't know how that works out so, yeah um yeah aside it, from just the experience of getting to see it right yeah if i get asked to do it sure i i've set in my stuff mm-hmm. uh Gulak hits me up like every month, like, uh, do you get your stuff in yet to do extra work? And I send them my stuff, and I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if they want me on TV, so people go on Twitter, that's Joey Janela. Yeah, know? they I mean, might. Yeah, maybe you have too big of a reputation now. You're in that, yeah, you're in that yeah. weird, weird middle ground, right, where it's like you're still on the come up, so it's not like – but you're, you're too big to do the extra work. Yeah, I don't know if I'm too big, uh, but um, I, Twitter would have a, a, a field day with that. So when you got started, you did not – train like conventionally right no i just i i used to backyard backyard wrestle and uh the first day did my, you get hurt at all backyard wrestling yeah just like not not hurt hurt right but i've gotten like knocked out and stuff but not completely but uh like like that incident but um the first day myspace came out i i kind of just like looked up backyard wrestling and like local like <laughs> backyard wrestling companies mm-hmm. and i would hit up like whoever ran them and be like hey uh can i come in and wrestle for you guys so you're trying to get booked on backyard shows yeah that's so right. basically i was doing what i was doing now but backyard <laughs> i'd be like yo your backyard company and my backyard company 
we can have a like a a backyard like war like and we'd go over to the town next door and, and and have like these dual backyard wrestling shows so there was actually a wrestler a professional wrestler that we used to see at like the shitty carny shows around my area uh-huh. and his name was the Bayshore DDP no <laughs> yeah dirty dan pettit and uh <laughs> and we thought his gimmick as as teens when we go to the show we thought his gimmick was to botch and fuck up we thought, was, <laughs> we, thought, we thought that was like a gimmick We're like wow this guy's fucking great he, yeah he fucks up everything it's hilarious <laughs> and we thought it was like we thought it was shit like a, a work right and uh it wasn't a work <laughs> so, so so then uh so then one time so it just so happened that the backyard wrestling company in the town over he he wrestled for he was a professional wrestler and a backyarder at the same time <laughs> So I was like, <laughs> I, I became, yeah, don't you usually kind of like uh, venture outside of the backyard wrestling world once you become a professional? Yeah, that's yeah. how it usually works. Generally. Yeah, but he was like this, like, I was like, hey, I want to be a professional wrestler. And he's like, okay, I'll bring you, set up this, just help with the ring. Mm-hmm. And I'd help with the ring. And then after the ring was up, I'd go in there and do <laughs> swanton bombs off the top rope. And no one would question. I'm like, wow, this is cool. Yeah, you just play in the ring. Yeah, and then somehow I got booked for a show with like... No, no training. Like, I set up maybe like three rings and like learn how to bump, yeah, lock up and hit the ropes, and then I was booked. That's <laughs> and I, and I, did any part of you go like, wait, wait, wait? I haven't learned this yet. Or were you like, okay, if you want to book me, I'll go. Yeah, I was like, this is sweet. I'm a professional <laughs> wrestler now. I'm like 15. This yeah. is awesome. Screw you, backyarders. <laughs> yeah, I'm this, a pro. The the first show I did was in Pennsylvania, and like, uh, it was like 11 years ago. Uh, five people showed up, and uh, the promoter of the show no showed his own show <laughs> because because he uh, he checked himself into uh, rehab for like not drugs because he like had a nervous breakdown <laughs> right before the show. Yeah. Okay. So so he was in rehab because he was having like uh, like anxiety and he, he just went nuts. Yeah, he yeah. just went nuts, and uh, so the owner of the building he was this guy, the Rock and Rebel, and. Uh, Notorious Pennsylvania indie name, yeah. legend, just like character, enigma on the indies. And uh, he's like, all right, we're still going to have a show. And he, he had like six 30-packs uh, in there. I'm like 15, and he's like, oh, you can drink, but if you if I catch you holding the beer in your right hand mm-hmm. and not your left, you have to chug and grab another. <laughs> so my, my, my uh, ADD-ness... Every time he saw me, I had it in my right hand, so I would have to chug a beer and grab another. So I wrestled my first match pretty, pretty intoxicated at, at sixteen. At sixteen years old, this is a hundred percent true story. Oh. I was. It's uh, a nightmare if, story. Yeah, it was like, it, it's just like. No, but but no, you're like sixteen, and you're like, I get to be a pro wrestler, and I get to drink a bunch of beers. Yeah. Like this, this, this is great. This <laughs> is like the life. <laughs> it was perfect, and uh, it was just like. Uh, like no one else in professional wrestling <laughs> comes close to that for their first wrestling match. Like, no, like I was, I was intoxicated and uh, 16, <laughs> sixteen and, and untrained, not, trained. not yeah. trained. And I took a tombstone on a open chair in yeah. my first match. <laughs> That's a terrible idea. Yeah, it's just like because I would imagine the guy that you were working with probably wasn't the most experienced guy either. 
Yeah, they, he just started as well. <laughs> okay. oh, and and the Bayshore DDP was also in that match. <laughs> so, <laughs> and, and as we learned, the Bayshore DDP just fucks up a lot. Yeah, yeah. Back in the day, he still wrestles actually in New Is Jersey, New York. I, I haven't seen him okay. wrestle. So I still see him around. Yeah. Uh, so. Basically, he brought me into the business, so thank you, Bayshore DDP. <laughs> so, okay, so after that, like, at what point do you feel like you actually started getting good, like, to the point where you were comfortable? And, like, yeah, because I would assume right now you consider yourself a good wrestler. Yeah, I, I do. So, um, like, when, when did that kick in? Uh, when, I was like, when I was, like, 20 years old, I was having, like, decent matches, and, got like, veterans would come into these... Carney companies are like, yeah, you're pretty good, but you're like, you got a very bad attitude, so we won't help you out at all. Did so, you have a bad attitude? Yeah, terrible. How come? I don't know. <laughs> I was do just you, a terrible, I was you, a terrible kid. Do you have a better attitude now? Oh yeah, great. Yeah, but but then it was you were awful. Yeah, yeah. It's just like, uh, I guess I was just like, wasn't trained properly. Mm -hmm. and, you know, etiquette. But like, so yeah, so how would how would your bad attitude show itself? I would just like do things and like stir up and just just like no etiquette at all you like, know like what just like say like like i'd wrestle for promotion and like get in the locker room fights and then like people were punching me in the face and like jumping me in locker rooms and stuff <laughs> just because you're such an asshole yeah yeah I'd, like it was just like uh i i guess i would just talk a lot of shit about people and right because you were so great yeah i thought i was so great right on MySpace and tell everyone how good I was. Right. But it was like, we were like, who the fuck is this guy? This <laughs> yeah. is but, uh, it was just like, uh, and then eventually I know, like, when I started getting better at uh, wrestling, uh, you kind of just humble out, I guess. Yeah, when you're actually good is when you stop worrying so much about making sure that everybody knows how great you are. It's, I mean, that's usually the case, isn't it? Yeah, and, and also it's like, you know, it's just like see how far you've come from where you started. Yeah, being untrained and stuff. It's like, plus getting your ass kicked in the locker room a whole bunch of times. He's got to eventually teach you a lesson. Yeah, and that, and you realize, shit, man. The people that pay four thousand dollars to go to wrestling training, and I just kind of right. I got to skip in. that whole all that. I didn't have to pay any of. Yeah, yeah. which I kind of regret at the same time because of the foundation I, for the foundation, and I could have gotten somewhere sooner. Right. Um, it's been a long, long journey to where I'm at, but it's just uh, some people do that. Leo Rush is <laughs> signed within two years of his wrestling career. Well, that's what I was going to ask you. So you had this like amazing, I guess it was, do you consider it a seven match series? I know some of it was uh, triple threat. Some of it was like, but I think, I think that the, the video they showed at the CZW show had you at seven. That was like five at CZW. Gotcha. That was the fifth one. So f the series of five kind of amazing matches, right, with Leo Rush, and those are those I feel like that was the series of matches where people started talking about you in terms of being like a wrestler. Like it wasn't. I know there was the one ceiling spot, but just that whole series had people talking about you as like, yeah, these are great matches. When a guy like that who you're working so closely with is 23, he's been in the business for three years, blah blah blah, and he gets signed. Is it? Are you? happy for him are you like what like what do i have to do or is it a combination of both uh no i'm 100 percent happy for that's him. it yeah he, he put the work in yeah you know he got trained properly yeah you know he's a, he's an incredible athlete he looks in shape he's yeah. 
He's got like zero percent body fat. Yeah, yeah. He, he looks great. Yeah, and there's no reason why he shouldn't be signed at, at the way he progressed over the last two years and his first two years of wrestling. Because when I started wrestling him at CZW, used to do something called Dojo Wars. It mm-hmm. was like a student Wednesday show. Mm-hmm. When I used to do all of them, and he was coming from Maryland, and he was wearing like you know, like, shitty MMA gear. Like, he didn't have gear yet. And I'm like, wow, this is pretty good, you know? Yeah. I was like, I'd like to work with him. And that's how it just kind of evolved gotcha. from there. Um, and I guess we helped make each other, you know, we helped get each other where we're at right now in the business. So. Yeah, was it almost like seeing him get signed? Was it almost like, okay, that's one of ours? Like, that means that this thing is possible and real and, like... Yeah, just the last couple of years of everyone getting signed around me. Who else was around you getting signed? Oh, man. Rich Swan. Yeah. I was friends with since I was like 17. Uh-huh. You know, uh, uh, that was crazy to watch. But he, he was going to Japan and stuff earlier. And the Drew Gulaks. Of course. And Tony Nice. Yep. And most of the, like, the 205 guys. I wrestled with Lince Dorado. I used to wrestle every weekend when I was like 18. And we, we fucking hated each other. You, you know? did? Yeah, we, we hated each other. Why? Oh, just because I was a schmuck. Oh, <laughs> because yeah, I forgot. That's when you had your terrible yeah, attitude. Yeah. yeah. I one time I wrestled him and uh, uh, it was a six man, and I won the match. And for some, for some reason, for no reason, after the match, I'm walking to the locker room, and he popped up next to the ring. He super kicked me in the face, <laughs> knocked me out, <laughs> like legit. <laughs> yeah, gave me a concussion <laughs> just for no reason after the match. Because he just didn't like you. He just didn't like me. So, <laughs> so. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, that sucks. Yeah, it's just weird seeing all these guys that I wrestle with. They're now they're on TV. So I'm like, shit, I can I can do this. Right. Do you look around then, like as you watch everybody getting signed around you, and you're like, this is kind of your class, you know, for lack of a better term. Do you look around and be like, okay, I'm not signed right now. So what am I doing right now? Like what you you still have to evolve, right? Just because you didn't get signed doesn't mean you're not evolving in your own career. Yeah. Um. I feel like right now, like the indies is kind of my deal right now. Yeah, and I feel like I'm still I'm still 28. Mm-hmm. You know, my body still, even though I do all this crazy stuff, I don't I don't wake up in the morning unless it's the day after a show in pain or or anything. A lot of these guys they have they wrestle a normal style and they they they're complaining like they're all beat up and they're getting surgeries. But you don't have these lingering things. I've never got injured really, right? Besides concussions and the, the roof injury I tore the tendons and ripped the almost chopped my thumb off but so so let's talk about the roof injury so you're like okay this is really gonna happen when you realize you're really gonna do the roof thing you're gonna get thrown off the roof of a building and you can i mean i'm sure everybody's seen it by now go on youtube you can find it are you like okay like i was this was me talking shit on facebook i wasn't really ready to get thrown off a roof well i showed up to the building that day and i thought it was i was Thought it was the roof was lower for some reason. <laughs> that's yeah, that's terrible news when you get to the building. And you're like, oh my god, that's way higher than I yeah, thought it yeah. was. Yeah, so I showed up and my uh, my girlfriend at the time was also a worker and she uh, we looked up and I'm like, no, fuck this. <laughs> like, and then he walks out. John, he's wearing glasses and he's got like a notepad, like he's like a doctor or something. <laughs> and uh, he's like the doc- doctor of, of bumps and. Uh, He's like, all right, you're going to get thrown. First, you're going to get thrown through these light tubes, and then there's going to be fire underneath, and then there's going to be a pit of barbed wire. I'm like, why? Why is there barbed wire? No one's <laughs> yeah. going to see that. Like, it doesn't make any sense. You could even use works barbed wire at that point because nobody can see it. Yeah, but he's got to be like a 
what do they call those people? A, a sad, uh, like a sadomasochist? Yeah, yeah. yeah. he's got to be something wrong with this fucking guy. Because <laughs> he goes, barbed wire under the fire. Yeah, but I wasn't concerned about the barbed wire at the time. I was concerned that there was fire on the back of next to a... A truck. A truck and the gas tank was right. I was about to ask. That's a gasoline fuel truck. It was right below. Yeah, it was right below. I'm like, shit, I'm going to get stuck in a barbed wire and the truck's going to explode. I'm probably going to die. Right. Like, like it was just like. But does that go? So that goes on in your mind. Like, that's I think that's what's going to happen here. I think I'm just going to die. Yeah. I was just like, oh. I I got what I wish for, you know what I'm saying? I mean, you talk about coming full circle. Some kid's going to be on Kazago and Joey Janela death tape. That's what they're doing right now. <laughs> it's like like kids, like teenagers hit me up like, I want to be like you. I'm like, oh, fuck. Oh, no, what am I doing? Yeah. So, uh, so he, is it once he goes like, this is what we're going to do, or you're like, all right, whatever. Do you, you don't object to it? No, it's just like you got to go with it. Right, because we, we planned this and we promised it and everything. Yeah, but everything he said basically went right. The truck had a had a, uh, a spring to it. The the shocks of the truck would, <laughs> right. would break the fall, kind of. And it did? Yeah. It, when we landed in, you see the truck bounce off like it's got a, like a low rider. And, uh... So basically you do the fall where like he's got you up on his shoulder, almost like almost in a tombstone position, and he jumps off with you, and his his boots hit first, correct? Yeah, because the thing was that uh, this was the same spot he did with Mondo, a little right. differently with tubes and stuff, and that bump was so legendary because it ended Sicknick Mondo's career. He hasn't wrestled since then. Right. So the bump has been so legendary because it's so crazy that it ended this guy's career like three years in and i know you were thinking and 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 yeah and after, i can't believe he only wrestled for three years as much yeah i think he's only wrestled for he only wrestled for like three or four years so as much as yeah you're thinking i could die here are you also like more realistically thinking like okay like dying i, I might not die but this could easily be the end of my career yeah i i, I I wasn't really thinking about the truck on that day. I was thinking, I didn't think it was going to go viral. I thought Zandy giving me a Canadian Destroyer was going to go viral. I swear to God. I'm like, <laughs> I was trying to go rehearse this move with him. Like, seriously, it's going to go viral. You giving me a Canadian Destroyer. And, uh, Nobody I did remembers that. It. Yeah, people remember it. Like, but the truck has got a hundred million views on it. Right. It's on Deadspin. It was yeah, all over the place. Yeah. You know, it's on like TV shows. Right. And, it's going to be on, like, Tosh and, like, uh, Ridiculousness, those, like... Is it really? Yeah, those shows <laughs> on TV. It's just, like, weird. So so you get up on the roof. When you're up on top of the roof, is it closer or even higher than you thought it was? It was high, but he but he kept by going on the roof. He goes, oh, shit, the truck is too close. I oh, was my like, God. I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> He's like, the truck is too close, so... uh I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, We're like, up here now. We're fighting, and there's like, there's like 500 people chanting. Like, it's like, all right. So he, the move he does is he presses you up in a gorilla press mm -hmm. and basically spins you into a, like a Falcon Arrow, which is kind of like a Michinoku driver, right? Um, but when I got up there, I was like, fuck this. If he he presses me up, he, I'm gonna fall. I'm gonna land on the roof of the truck. Right, of course, like right on the sunroof area. Yeah, yeah, so I was like, all right, I have to tuck myself. So I tuck myself. Isn't it funny that just because of physics that, like, landing on the on the roof of the truck would do so much more damage to you than the light bulbs, fire, and yeah. barbed wire in the trunk? I mean, they were landing on the, the roof or the hood. Right, which would have just destroyed you. Yeah. Would have killed you. Kill, I would have been probably dead. Probably dead or paralyzed. But that's why he had to jump in feet first. Right. Uh, to save my life. <laughs> 
So he, he jumps in and he looks like he's doing like a pencil dive into a, a pool. Yeah. And, uh, and, and we land and we go through all it and it felt like craziness. Like you're like nothing you ever felt in your life. Uh, and I was like, oh shit, I'm alive. And as soon as I said that, all the light tubes flew up in the air from the shocks of the truck and crashed down on us. I had a mouthful of glass. Uh-huh. I was like, shit. And then I. So what do you feel, right? So, so you go down. Do you feel just like scratches and heat all over? Do you even feel no pain because you're just like, oh my God, we just survived that fall? Yeah, it was crazy. Like, it was like, what the fuck? Like, <laughs> it, like, it was crazy. And uh, after the smoke cleared from the, the light tube dust, yeah. he, he was on the, he was in the truck going, oh, my back is broken. My back is broken. I can't feel my legs. Uh-huh. He broke his back. He did break his back. He broke his back. He got surgery. <sighs> he broke his back. <laughs> He's done. He, he can. So, so, so his move that ended Mondo's career, he comes back to do on you, and it ends his career. Yeah, he, he's done. Like, he can barely work anymore. He was a foreman at a construction company. And, and he can't do that? Not really. Wow. And you just had a, a hurt thumb. Yeah, I, I almost chopped off my thumb. I was like, shit, my... I was like, if you watch the entire match, yeah. um, you see me kind of like no-sell the bump off the the roof i kind of just sit up and i'm asking for water i'm just like freaking out because i because my thumb is hanging off oh that's and so funny though you're like oh my thumb's hanging off and he's like i can't feel my legs yeah he was like he was like i'm, I'm, I'm my back is broken that's all i kept saying <laughs> but then like poor guy jeez. Uh, but yes, by the way i mean i me. i only laugh because like you, you you these are choices it to himself he's right. like a 50 something year old man jumping off a fucking roof feet first <laughs> of course your back is gonna break feet first he's like he's like almost he's a grandfather <laughs> jumping off a building like <laughs> for no reason just because he's zanding right but that's why he has the reputation that he has right because he's a fucking nut job so you get your thumb fixed and you're good to go after that um i got it. i had to go on immediate surgery for your thumb? Yeah. There was EMTs at the building. They're like, oh, yeah, we could stitch you up. You'll be all right. And I'm like, no, like everything. It's all gone. <laughs> yeah, Pete. it's like the, the all my tendons are cut. What sliced it? The light tubes? I did the barbed wire at the bottom of the of truck. Of course it did. Because when I went down, I smacked down, I guess, my hand. Ah. I just like the barbed wire. Just but you don't feel, because it, uh, it's, is it sensory overload, though? So you don't actually feel like, oh, my, I just put my hand in something sharp just yeah. because there's so much stuff going on? Yeah, it's just like, uh. I was just like, oh, oh, I thought I was going to lose my thumb, right. honestly. And I went to the hospital, and they're like, yeah, you need immediate surgery. I went to surgery two days later, and they had to attach, reattach everything in there, and had to go through, like, it was worse than, like, a, a broken bone or anything, because it's your thumb and all the tendons. and Yeah. And Plus, like, that's what separates us from the animals. Yeah. It's opposable thumbs. Yeah, yeah. So. Try opening a door without a thumb. I was almost, I almost had a, only one thumb. I'd be talking <laughs> to you right now with one thumb. One but, thumb. But it was just like, um, you know, I had to go to physical therapy three days a week. And yeah. It was just crazy. So, like, do you start – how quickly do you start thinking, like, okay, I'm going to come back, obviously, from this. Yeah. What do I do next? Yeah, I kept on telling everyone that my career was over online. And just, right. like, my that's, reputation. I was everyone, working them. Yeah. Yeah, Just, yeah, like, yeah. just playing off the Mondo thing. And everyone really thought, I'm like, sorry, I'm, I'm probably not going to be able to come back, the doctors say. Um, and, uh, people believed it. And then, uh, we're just like my guy, John Carlo kind of, uh, I talked to John Carlo, by the way, for those of you who, who, who 
have not seen the video work that CZW is doing, you got to see it because it really is pretty amazing. It started with like the 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 VHS style promos that you were doing, but all the all the packages leading into the Onita match, like everything is just really, really, really good. He's he's amazing. Yeah, uh, he was just a random PWS fan. I think yeah, I remember him from those shows. Yeah, he was just making videos, like of other fans, like. There's something called like the boo saw movement where they threw toilet paper at this guy uh-huh. who emulated bone saw from Spider-Man, uh-huh. uh, Macho Man's character. But uh, there's a boo saw movement and they would throw toilet paper at him and he would make video packages. And I'm like, these video packages are better than uh, anything that w- anything the I see on the indies. Do, yeah. So I'm like, man, you got to come and start, you know, coming and making videos. Like, you know, he started at Game Changer, which is used to be like Jersey Championship Wrestling, started making videos of them and. You know, when I got injured, I'm like, we got to do something big. I had it all planned in my head, what mm-hmm. we were going to do. And uh, he directed it and edited it, and it was, I was like, wow. <laughs> so how did the uh, – were you surprised – did you think that the uh, the other spot you did where you climbed a ladder up to the ceiling and then kind of fell from the ceiling through the table, did you think that that was going to go as viral as it did? Um. I don't know. That was scary. That was scary in the roof, I think. Um, was it? Yeah, that was my first match back. That's what I thought. Yeah, so it's just like, all right, I'm going to do this. And I, at the time, I thought, like, when I was going over it before the show, um, I was like, oh, yeah, this would be easy. Did you go up on the ceiling before the show? Yeah, I, like, hung for a second. Yeah. And, like, Leo was like, all right, which he usually is. He he was pretty down for whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just lay on this ladder and I won't. But the thing was, when I got up there, I was slippery sweaty you know right for you to grab on when your hands are all sweaty and stuff for you to grab onto some just metal metal beam yeah. is very difficult yeah so basically i just slipped and i landed the way i did <laughs> if you watch a video i slipped right i dangled for a second i slipped off I, I didn't mean to drop like that your body just falls in a mass yeah i just i'm lucky <laughs> i'm lucky that would that could have been serious yeah i i legit it looks so skillful it looks like i'm a ninja yeah, <laughs> it, looks, it looks like I landed perfectly. Everything goes as planned, but I slipped. It's just luck. It was just one hundred percent luck. So now, do you sit there and you're like, okay, it's Leo Rush's. This it was over the weekend. It's Leo Rush's last match in CZW. It's me and him again. Like, are you like we have to do? I have to figure out some crazy stuff, or do you not put that pressure on yourself? It was. It was. This was one of the hardest matches I've ever mm-hmm. had to call for me and him both. Uh he, he he texted me with some some ideas and stuff. He would always text me like before matches with a ton of ideas and stuff, which wrestlers don't usually really do. Mm-hmm. They don't text each other with ideas a month before a match. But our matches, we did everything under the sun. Right? Like how you get a top falling off a a, a ceiling? Right? A, a dangling? It's just crazy crazy spot. So that's that's why we. Uh, came up with the spot that went viral this week. So, yeah. So, how do you feel about the fact that, like, and and I think that you, you and Leo and Joey Ryan and Mick Foley, like, you were the two spots that, like, set the internet kind of on fire this week, uh, just killing the business. Yeah. You, I'm assuming you saw the Mick Foley-Joey Ryan thing? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, the other, the, that was the uh, Mr. Sacco penis plex thing. <laughs> the other one was what we saw, which was, Leo Rush takes a powerbomb off a super tall ladder through a table 
and then stands right up. Yeah. Like, just, just complete no-sell. Road Warrior Hawk style. Yeah, yeah. Stands up before you even do it. Like, you, it was like a sit-down sit down powerbomb through the table. And as you're standing up, he's already snapped up. Yeah, I was already I – was, I was selling. <laughs> yeah. I, I was selling, and uh, I said, let's do this. But uh, the thing was, it wasn't supposed to be off the, the ladder. Um, there was DJ Hyde. Uh, recently, I don't know. He's being a cheap fuck, but <laughs> – he bought a bunch of, he bought like 30 tables from a flea market. Uh-huh. Shitty, terrible, warped tables. And usually, they before you can even set them up, the legs break off. I did, I did notice that the tables, the, the, some of the tables being used were kind of like splintering off and stuff like that, you know? Dude, these tables are haggard. Like, he bought 30 <laughs> from a flea market for a price. And, uh. There was like four tables. We had four tables, uh-huh. and then the the guy's Shawnee. He's been with the company since day one. He kind of makes all the traps and like all the bar- death match traps gotcha. and stuff. And uh, he he set me up with four tables. He's like, but two are broken, so I'll I'll spray paint <laughs> a yellow line on the top of those. What do you mean they're broken? Like the legs are. So you'd have to prop them up against something or put yeah, do the, yeah. the apron guardrail gimmick. That's what them. I was going to do with okay. the, 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 the superplex spot. I was going to use those two tables. Mm-hmm. But in the moment and with my ADD, I just took the – I used the good tables and I didn't oh, feel no. like walking around. So I bring – for the latter spot, I bring the table in the ring and uh, it was one of the yellow. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, fuck. I turn it over and the legs – the leg is already half broken off uh-huh. the table. So I knew I wasn't going to be able to drag it to the ropes. Right. So I left it right under the ladder. I said, Leo, you're going to take the package pile driver oh off my... the ladder. And he's like, what the fuck, man? <laughs> he's like yelling at me. I'm like, dude, just just do it. He's like, we're up on the ladder. We're arguing. He's like, man, I can't. He's like, I'm not doing this. Like, we're arguing <laughs> on top of the ladder. And I'm like, he's like, oh, I'll take a power bomb. So he climbed up. I said, like, climb up, climb up. All right, let's go. And the table snapped completely in half. Yeah. And like. It was supposed to be off the top rope, never off the ladder. That was never, like, we knew he was going to no-sell something through a table and then take something for a false finish. Sure. But, um, you know, I'm breaking a lot of kayfabe here, but I might as well <laughs> since I since I killed, already, killed the killed, business. already killed the business. But, uh, yeah, he <laughs> popped right up and the rest is history. Yeah, so how did, did you, you had to know, though. That people were gonna that you were gonna get the kind of reaction you got from people saying like this is terrible for the oh, business. Yeah. That's that's the whole point. Dude, what, what's your opinion on it? You know, it's obviously like, you don't think it's terrible for the business because you did it. Yeah, I, I think it's I think it's a moment people will always remember. Uh-huh. Uh, remember that time Leo Rush when he's when he's wrestling at WrestleMania. People remember, remember that time Leo Rush got power bombed off the ladder and, and no sold it. No sold it and uh, he bruiser brodied it. Yeah, <laughs> but then there's videos of Hogan taking the macho elbow and po- popping up the same way. Yeah. No, and, no, 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 hulking up. Yeah. yeah, it's probably the same equivalent to a macho man elbow getting power bombed off the ladder in 2017. That's actually kind of a good point. Yeah, based on where we've come. Yeah, definitely. I think like. In the realms of CCW, we're both superheroes, and mm-hmm. he kind of does like an undead zombie Undertaker deal, right there. He's the Black Heart, right? So he he has some he has superpowers and stuff. <laughs> so yeah. it kind of makes it made all hey, sense to me. It's wrestling. He's got superpowers. What do you yeah, want? It's like it's like watching a live anime uh, battle. You know? Yeah. I don't think we killed the business. Business people will run this weekend, and everything will be all right. And, People will forget about the 
People forget about the table bump until he debuts on t- TV, and then. And I mean, honestly, I feel like you killed the business when you got thrown off a roof through onto a truck full of light tubes, fire, and barbed wire, and then just came, came back and wrestled again. Like <laughs> if you didn't die from that, then that's kind of killing the business, right? Yeah, I, I guess it is. But uh, like nobody, like death matches, where everybody lives. Lives. I don't think anyone's ever died in a death match. Oh, Nick Gage has. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, he 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 legit died. And they, they brought him back to life. How did how did how did he die? Uh, he cut a he cut the artery in his armpit. Right. And uh, they're in the middle of a uh, at DJ DJ runs toward him in a death at his parents' farm. Right. Their house. And it's like childhood home. Uh-huh. It's like the Woodstock of deathmatch wrestling. But there's no hospitals anywhere near there. It's like so, the gathering of the juggalos. Yeah. There's yeah. no. It's in the middle of nowhere. So they had to medevac. A helicopter to the show. Uh-huh. This is just crazy. I was there. This is just crazy thing to watch. And, and Gage is in the locker room because at the time I was a student at CZW. I was training there. Uh-huh. So I was there for this, that he was bleeding out. And there's an EMT telling him he's he's going to die. He's bleeding out. And he's like, no, he's trying to go back out there and wrestle. And um, then he died in the helicopter. <sighs> they had to resuscitate him. That is crazy. That's why he's such a, that's why he's Nick Cage. Yeah. But it's like CZW, like for years, has always made these enigmas, these independent characters, you know, like Nick Gage's and the Zandigs and the Nick Mondos. Yeah. And now me and Leo, you know, it's just, it's just like you can't. And plus all the indie guys that went through there are now the top stars, of course. So WWE. Do you have a timeline of when, because you already said WWE, New Japan, that's the goal. Do you have a timeline, of, and I would imagine WWE is more, even more of the goal than New Japan. Um, do you have a timeline? It depends. I wouldn't say it's more the goal than New Japan. Mm-hmm. Uh, New Japan is the shit right now, you know? Yeah. That's what a lot of people watch. A lot of people watch that over... WWE product. If you went to New Japan, would you want? Would you try to angle to be a Bullet Club member? Or would you try to specifically not, or would you just do whatever you wanted, whatever, uh, whatever what, you guys want, whatever, whatever they pay me for, yeah, whatever they tell me to do. I, yeah. I don't know how that works, but uh, yeah, it's just um, you know, whoever pays me. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. Do you have a timeline of when you want something like that to happen, or just whenever it's right? Uh, whenever. Yeah. I'm not rushing. Mm-hmm. I'm still 28. Right. You know, it's uh, I'm not that old. Right, and it's not like WWE is putting a cap on uh, age limits. A couple of years ago, they were only signing people under thirty, thirty-two years old. Once you pass thirty-two, you weren't getting signed. But it's kind of thrown out the window now. Oh yeah, absolutely. So it's uh, and I mean, it's, who knows? You know, NXT becomes a thing. Maybe it's just NXT, and maybe somebody. You know what I mean? Like yeah, and that's fine too. AJ Styles, what is he? He's he's in his late thirty. I think he's forty now. It's crazy. And I mean, he's having the best matches of his career, yeah. arguably. Yeah, he he's signed with TNA for years, but yeah, New Japan and he yeah, just, he, he he and that's what it was. Were. It was the New Japan run that led to the WWE run. Yeah. It wouldn't it's, he wouldn't have had this success coming from TNA to WWE. Yeah, he's forty. He got signed at thirty nine, thirty eight years 38, old, thirty eight, something like that. Yeah, you got just, ten years. I'm not saying I'm as good as AJ Styles, and I'll never be as good as AJ Styles because he's absolutely probably the best wrestler right in the world. But uh, yeah. But at least it's something to look to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, all right, you know, you can get, you can get, the opportunity can come at any time. Well, listen, man, where can people follow you on social media and whatnot? Um, Twitter at um, Janella Baby mm-hmm. and um, Instagram at The Bad Boy, Joey Janella. Don't add me on Facebook. 
<laughs> just do Twitter and Instagram. Yeah, I've got like, I'm at the cap, and there's like, I get a fucking shitload of friend requests. You gotta make it a fan page. Yeah. Is that even a thing anymore? Do people actually like pages, like on Facebook? I don't know. Facebook's pretty popular. Right. But I don't know. I don't know. Fa- Twitter and Instagram is pretty popular, yeah, too. Just probably. use Twitter and Instagram. Thanks for sitting down, man. Thanks for hey, hanging out. Hey, thank you. I appreciate it. Here is Sam Roberts. Well, great having Joey Janela on the show. I love hearing the perspective. Uh, I, I can't believe that he doesn't wake up sore. The only reason I can think of that he wouldn't wake up sore every morning has got to be the mattress, right? If you want a great mattress... If you don't want to wake up sore every morning, if there are wrestlers out there that are like, man, how do I get to uh, be like Joey Janela and wake up feeling comfortable in the morning? Well, you need a Casper mattress. That's what you need. The Casper mattress is an obsessively engineered mattress at a shockingly fair price. We're talking about uh, supportive memory foams that create an award-winning sleep surface with just the right sink and just the right bounce. And get this, this is a company that knows how to run a business. You can try Casper for 100 nights. That's over three months, risk-free in your own home. If you don't love it, they'll pick up the mattress. They'll refund you for everything. Casper gets that there's an importance to truly sleeping on a mattress before you commit to it, especially considering you're going to spend a third of your life on it. Maybe even more if you're Joey Janela and you need to rest up. There's free shipping on these things uh, and returns to the U.S. and Canada. With over 20,000 reviews and an average of 4.8 stars, it's quickly becoming the internet's favorite mattress. Look, they love it. The internet loves Casper Mattress, and you will too. Guess what? You want me to give you a deal on this thing? No problem. You can get $50 toward any mattress purchase by visiting www.casper.com roberts and using the offer code roberts. You want $50 off your mattress today? Go to casper.com slash Roberts and use that offer code Roberts. Terms and conditions may apply. Um, so I hope you guys enjoyed that Joey Janela interview. I thought it was uh, really, really interesting. I-, I love getting that perspective. You know, you can you can have opinions on everything that goes on, but I, I think it's really valuable to just get get it from the horse's mouth. Like, explain to me. Explain to me how this is not killing the business, how this makes sense. And, you know, I think I think pro wrestling is changing very, very quickly. Crowds are much, much smarter than they've ever been. Um, expectations are very, very different. So uh, I think it's worth kind of analyzing, and it's worth having the discussion. Uh, maybe that's a discussion that will come up when we're doing our live events, SummerSlam week. That's next week. Okay, so check this out. You all know that on Wednesday night, August 16th, We're going to get together as a community. We're going to celebrate this world known as Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast at the Highline Ballroom. Wednesday night at 8 p.m. at HighlineBallroom.com. You can get your tickets, head over to the ballroom in New York City, and be a part of this great live event. It's going to be me. Dan Soder is going to be there. There's going to be special guests. Let's just put it this way. I wouldn't be surprised if you heard a caw. Caw! Not sting. But, you know, I think you know what I'm getting at. A person who does the call on the podcast. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. Lots of surprise guests and surprises in store. It's going to be a sensational show. If you don't already have tickets, you're going to want tickets. Go to HighlineBallroom.com and get them. There is a bonus. You know, the venue added that uh, the, the meet and greet ticket 
and I want everybody who wants one to get a VIP ticket to the live Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast at HighlineBallroom.com. But if you purchase a meet-and-greet ticket, I'm going to make sure that you also get in to Summer Sam 3 at Caroline's on Broadway. Summer Sam is an event I do every year in conjunction with SiriusXM and with WWE, and it's 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 basically a show where I interview a couple superstars and open it up to Q&A, and that's the show. Interview Q&A, interview Q&A. It's a really fun thing that we do uh, one of the afternoons of SummerSlam week every year, and this week, uh, this year is going to be probably even funner than the other years have been. First year, it was Paul Heyman and Corey Graves with me. Last year, it was Kevin Owens and the club with me, Gallows and Anderson. This year, wait till you hear this. Thursday afternoon, 2 p.m. Eastern Time, at Caroline's on Broadway, I will have the boss, Sasha Banks, and the Kingslayer, Seth Rollins. Sasha Banks and Seth Rollins both will be with me at Caroline's on Broadway for Summer Sam 3 this Thursday, August 17th at 2 p.m. It is a free show. If you would like to go to this show, email samrobertslist at gmail.com with your name and how many tickets you want, either one or two, not more than one or two, either one or two tickets, samrobertslist at gmail.com. you got to be on that general admission list to get in. Show up, day of. But the line is going to be long. Like I said, it's a free show. It's me, it's Seth Rollins, it's Sasha Banks. That place is going to fill up. Okay? So be on that list. Email your name to samrobertslist at gmail.com. If you want guaranteed entry into the Caroline's gig, if you want guaranteed entry into the Summer Sam gig, I will do that for anybody that has a VIP ticket the night before to Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast live at the at, at the Highline Ballroom. Okay? Okay? And and that goes without saying. I will meet you at the meet and greet if you get a VIP ticket. I will get your information then, and you will be on my personal guaranteed entry list. Everybody else will be on the general admission list. I think most of you will get in. The idea is not to shut anybody out. The idea is not to scam anybody. It's just to add a little bit of value to those people that choose to buy uh, VIP tickets to the Highline Ballroom show. So that's Wednesday night, August 16th, HighlineBallroom.com. Thursday afternoon, me, Seth Rollins, Sasha Banks at Caroline's on Broadway. Uh, You can email me, samrobertslist at gmail.com with your name to get on that list uh, and and get into the free event. Um, There's going to be t-shirts and pins and merch and stuff at the Wednesday night show. There's going to be food and drinks at the Wednesday night show. Thursday, it's all about just putting on those interviews, doing the Q&As, and letting all of you be a part of that. So it's going to be two big events, two very different events, two very different experiences, but both of them, I can't tell you how much I'm looking forward to them. And a lot of that is because I get to meet you guys. So get out there, uh, uh, make your presence felt, and, uh, and be there. Be there on Wednesday night and Thursday afternoon. It's going to be a really, really fun time. And you got to look your best, don't you? If you're going to go to these events, you got to make sure you look your best, uh, but you hate shopping for clothes. I hate shopping for clothes. I never know what to wear. Uh, sometimes I wish I had a stylist. Well, I don't wish I had a stylist anymore because now I have a stylist. How? Because a bomb fell. You never heard of bomb fell? It's an online personal styling service that helps men find the right clothes for them. Unlike other services, there's no fees to work with here. 
right? So it costs nothing to sign up. You just go, you sign up, and it's very straightforward. All you have to do is complete a questionnaire, and a dedicated personal stylist will handpick pieces specifically for you. It's really great. You go on, you talk about what your body type is, what sizes you wear, what brands you like, what styles you like. Just It's as simple as that. I've done it. You talk about what you like, you talk about what size you are, and then they find stuff for you, and they ship it to you, and you go home, you try it on, you see what you like, what you don't like. If you don't like it, you send it back. No problem. They'll take care of it, and they don't charge you for anything. If you like it, you keep it. You buy it. Easy as that. It's really, really simple. Uh, um, You're in total control, and you're only going to pay for the clothes that you keep. Plus, you have the option of receiving clothes once uh, a month, uh, 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 once every two months, or once every three months. You know what I mean? If your wardrobe is hurting, you're going to need clothes every month. If it's not so bad, maybe once every three months. Whatever you want to do. Bombfell's on your side. They don't make money if you don't find something you want to keep. That's the point. You know, I had to go on like, look, I don't really need more jeans. I got a lot of jeans. So I didn't click jeans. And guess what? I got my first Bombfell shipment already. And they didn't send me any jeans. They sent me some nice pants from this brand Penguin that I like. You know, and I tried it on. I didn't, they sent me a t-shirt. I didn't need the t-shirt. I sent it back. They're going to send me something else instead. Well, I'll try this on, Sam. You know, you email back and forth with your stylist. It's great. Best of all, I've negotiated with Bombfell. I talked to him. I said, I love your product, guys. But I need to get my people a special offer. So here's what they're going to do. $25 off your first purchase. When you go to bombfell.com slash Roberts, if you go to bombfell.com slash Roberts, it's $25 off your first purchase. Bombfell, spelled B-O-M-B-F-E-L-L dot com slash Roberts. Bombfell.com slash Roberts. $25 off your first order. Trust me, you want to come correct? This is the way to do it. And now why don't I come correct with you in the state of wrestling right now? It's now time for this week's State of Wrestling. If I were a betting man, I would bet on Brock Lesnar walking out of SummerSlam with that Universal Championship. Just so many red herrings are abound. It's the, if I lose, I'm leaving. Oh, well, that's convenient because I heard he was going to UFC. Fatal four-way, so you mean Brock doesn't actually have to get pinned to lose the championship. All of these red herrings lead me to believe that Brock is not leaving, regardless, by the way. So, so, so here's how this works. Brock, there's rumors of him going back to UFC. John Jones has already called him out. We had John Jones on my SiriusXM show, and he talked about it a little bit. Uh, you can go to youtube.com slash Jim and Sam show. You see the interview for yourself. But the thing that people aren't realizing is that Brock has to, in order to be uh, 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 applicable to fight in the UFC, Brock has to pass USADA testing, which means he has to be in their pool. He is not in their pool. He has not submitted himself for their pool. And in order to be applicable, you have to be in the pool for six months, August, September, October, November, December, January, February, okay? Even if he decided right now he was ready to go back to UFC, he is not applicable to, to fight until February. WrestleMania is in March. So one would think that he would just go ahead. Why train for UFC 
just to have a fight in February and do WWE at the same time when he could run through WrestleMania in March, seven months from now, and 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 be on time to be applicable to fight in the Ultimate Fighting Championship. Even that, that said, what if Brock isn't going back to UFC? What if Brock is simply trying to negotiate with WWE to get an even sweeter deal? And if he can get it, more power to him because he's worth as much money as they're willing to spend. Brock Lesnar sells pay-per-views and t-shirts and toys and every everything you could imagine. He attracts attention. You can complain about a Brock Lesnar match all you want. You will never, never hear him get booed when his music hits. Dun, 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 dun. No matter how many complaints you read about his matches, you will never, never hear him get the, the lackadaisical boos. You might hear him get some heel boos, but never lackadaisical boos. Never the, uh, we want somebody else boos. It's not going to happen. He survived the whole Goldberg feud, okay? He can survive anything. Brock Lesnar is Teflon. So, I would imagine that he he is staying. And by the way, he's done it before. Who's to say he won't have a UFC fight with John Jones? Listen, you watch. Why is John Jones calling out Brock Lesnar? John Jones is calling out Brock Lesnar because he saw Conor McGregor call out Floyd Mayweather. And it worked. And there is a big money fight. He saw Matt Tremont call out Onita. Maybe he didn't see that. But it's the same principle. It worked. Now there's a big money fight. Onita and Tremont. Right? Right. So, that's the same thing that's going on here. There is a big money fight. Brock Lesnar and John Jones. When you see Conor McGregor and, and Floyd Mayweather promote their fight, who is sitting next to Conor McGregor? Dana White. At every press conference. Dana White. Every promo that gets cut. Dana White. Dana White. Dana White. Dana White. So if Brock Lesnar is going to be participating in a big money fight with John Jones, win or lose, wouldn't Vince McMahon want to be involved in that? Wouldn't Vince McMahon want a piece of that? Wouldn't the advocate want a piece of that? Well, maybe in storyline, but the point is Vince McMahon would want a piece of that. Vince McMahon is, is no slouch, okay? Vince McMahon, regardless of if you think that the fact that there's no pro uh, pyro on WWE, if you think that means that they're going down the toilet, then fine. But Vince McMahon is one of the great businessmen and promoters of our generation. Now, everybody's got flaws. Maybe Vince McMahon's flaw is that he wants too badly to exist outside of his comfort zone. But if you just concentrate on his comfort zone, if you just concentrate on the world of pro wrestling and promotions, of pro wrestling events, there is nobody. I mean, Vince McMahon did for pro wrestling what Steve Jobs did for computers in my mind. Vince McMahon is no slouch. Vince McMahon's going to want to be a, a, a part of this uh, 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 Brock Lesnar deal. And why not? I would. So I would imagine, I'm not saying we won't see a John Jones-Brock Lesnar fight. If we do, it's not going to happen for another year or so. Maybe less, but it'll be at least, you know, eight months. And if it does happen, I would not be surprised if it was a WWE-contracted Brock Lesnar fighting John Jones. Because guess what? If Brock Lesnar loses to John Jones, all he has to do is show up at Madison Square Garden, squash Kofi Kingston, and he's still the beast. 
okay? We're pro wrestling fans. We're forgiving. We forgive a lot. I think that when Brock Lesnar fights John Jones, he will be contracted by WWE, and I think Brock Lesnar will be the Universal Champion after SummerSlam. That's what I think. And as far as the WWE Championship goes, a lot of people have been coming to me and saying, here's what I think is going to happen. Nakamura is going to beat Jinder Mahal for the championship, then Baron Corbin cashes in. Do you know why I don't think that's going to happen? Because a lot of people have been coming to me saying that's going to happen. You've got people that are not big fans, that just kind of watch sparingly. you got people that watch every week, all of them suggesting that this is going to happen. I don't think so. I don't think that this is the time for it. The beauty of Money in the Bank, remember Money in the Bank, okay? The beauty of Money in the Bank when it works is every single pay-per-view, somebody is saying, I bet he's, I, I, he's, he's definitely cashing in tonight. He's definitely cashing in tonight. I mean, you'd go on those wrestling message boards or chat rooms or whatever. Maybe not chat rooms. Probably dating myself a little bit. But message boards. And it, every single pay-per-view was, oh, no, he's definitely cashing in tonight. Whoever was the one with the briefcase. And every now and then, he would cash in. But I don't think that SummerSlam will be the time for Baron Corbin to cash in. Um, because while I think the Jinder Mahal championship reign has had a lot of hiccups, it has not been as successful as it could have been thus far, I don't think it's time for a Baron Corbin championship reign. And I don't. I think you can still make this Jinder thing work if you just concentrate on making him a champion. Like, for me, it doesn't work to have Nakamura do this interview with Renee Young, right? Where you are building Nakamura as the WWE's rock star and saying that this match at SummerSlam is a big deal. He's getting the shot at the WWE Championship. And on the same show, having the WWE Champion lose clean to Randy Orton. That doesn't work for me because in my mind, and maybe I'm thinking about this too deeply, but in my mind, even now, because of what we saw on SmackDown, now, even if Nakamura is able to beat Jinder for the WWE Championship, he's still not better than Randy Orton because every victory that Jinder Mahal holds over Randy Orton has little asterisks next to it. All of them. But when it's just a clean decision, who wins? Randy Orton. So, I mean, logically, if Jinder, if Jinder Mahal lost the championship to Nakamura... It's Randy Orton that wants a shot at the championship. Now, hopefully, the thinking behind this is to have Rusev beat Randy Orton at SummerSlam, and Randy Orton's credibility has just been pushed up because now it's not like he's just on a chain of losses. This is a guy who beat the champion, and now Rusev is made to look even stronger by beating the guy that beat the champion in a non-title match. But that is a mouthful. And I think it will make Rusev look stronger, but at what cost? At what cost? I think the idea is that you want Nakamura, even if he doesn't win the championship, to look as strong as he possibly could. I think a Nakamura championship reign is something that you wait on, you know? I I wouldn't be so against, you know, between now and WrestleMania, maybe seeing AJ Styles somehow get the title back from Jinder at some point. Maybe AJ loses the U.S. title to Kevin Owens. 
maybe around Survivor Series or Royal Rumble, AJ beats Jinder for the championship, the WWE championship, and then we head towards WrestleMania with a Nakamura-AJ Styles WWE championship match where Nakamura may have his first WWE championship reign in front of him. And the money in the bank is still at play. That, to me, is exciting if, if we start to lead there. You know, you're talking about a, a slow build to me for Nakamura. I, I think that the, the build has been slow for him. I said it on the Money in the Bank pre-show. I talked about it last week on the podcast. You know, he's had a, a, a couple matches with Dolph Ziggler, which were okay. I don't think it showed everything Nakamura could do. An amazing moment with AJ Styles at Money in the Bank. A series of matches with Baron Corbin that I think more showed what Nakamura can do. And now we're already talking WWE Championship. I don't think, for me, it's not time yet. For me, I think, uh, even if you have to do it with chicanery. But here's the problem with Jinder, is that I know he's a bad guy, and he shouldn't win too many matches clean. But so far, the only time he retains the championship is if there's chicanery, and when there's no chicanery, he loses. That is something that has to change. That is is something, and I said it from the beginning. That's that was that was the that that was the danger of having Randy Orton and uh, and Jinder isolated from the rest of the roster. Is that you know you couldn't do everything that you wanted to do. Um, I think it's interesting that Enzo is going to be up in a cage. You know, there's a lot of talk about Enzo Heat right now, a lot of it. And whether it's for personal reasons or storyline reasons or business reasons or just because, I think that the WWE wants people to believe that there is heat on Enzo Amore. I believe that there is heat on Enzo Amore. I believe that people do not like him in the locker room. I think that it's all true. I don't know. I think that the rumors are true about Enzo Amore's heat. Do not get me wrong. I think that all that is is true. But... I think that for some reason, WWE wants us to know about it and wants us to talk about it. That's why it leaked uh, to the dirt sheets, in my opinion. That's why it was a topic on Bring It to the Table, in my opinion. That's why there's so many uh, references to it in promos, even when cast. You know, I've been, you know, you make me look bad, blah, blah, blah. There's there's a, a, a truth, art-reflecting-life scenarios. I think that all of it is intentional. Um, I don't know if it's because... WWE is going somewhere with Enzo or they're just sick of him and want to tell everybody, hey, this guy sucks. I don't know. I don't know what the rationale is. But to me, like, it feels, it's it's getting to the point where it feels to me like it's intentional, which is interesting. You know, and I think that, like, having Enzo, like, having Enzo up in a shark cage in the Big Show cast match is such a weird thing to do. You know, because... It's a that's a it's a bad guy position to be in. You're not supposed to put the good guy up in the cage. You're supposed to put the bad guy in the cage, right? You're supposed to put Jericho in the cage. You're supposed to put Jim Cornette in the cage. Paul Ellering is supposed to be in the cage. And not Road Warriors Paul Ellering. Authors of Pain Paul Ellering. Now, before you start tweeting me, I'm sure at some point Road Warriors Paul Ellering was in some kind of a cage, and that's all well and good. But J.J. Dillon is supposed to be in a shark cage. Bobby the Brain Heenan, Paul Heyman are supposed to be in shark cages. The idea that, like, a little guy is getting pushed around by Big Cass. The Big Show is there to protect the little guy, hence the rivalry between the two big guys, 
and the little guy is now locked inside a cage? Like, that just seems like they're throwing shots at him. Which, if they are, good, I don't care. You know, I mean, not that I don't care, I'm not trying to be cruel about it, but I like when storylines are, are mixed with reality. I don't, I'm not upset about that. Um, I just think it's really interesting. I think it's 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 an odd thing, and I, I'm interested to see what happens to Enzo. You know, I was on uh, the Busted Open show on Sirius XM, and in my opinion, Enzo does not belong on 205 Live uh, because he doesn't wrestle that style, uh, and because that's just not, you know, I don't know if anybody belongs on 205 Live at this point, but... I also don't think he belongs in NXT because NXT has changed so much since Enzo left. You know, NXT is a a different place. If Enzo showed up in NXT right now, he wouldn't be looked at as the elder statesman. He'd be looked at as, hey, get behind Bobby Roode, get behind Drew Galloway. Maybe get behind Aleister Black, you know? Do Do you believe because Enzo was in NXT before that he's a stronger force than Aleister Black? I don't think I do. If I'm in charge and there's no, you know, backstage stuff, we're just talking about on-screen whatever, I'm making Enzo a manager. I'm I'm having Enzo be a good guy manager. He can keep selling t-shirts. He can keep saying how you doing. He can keep selling wigs. But he's getting some good guys together, and he's creating a stable. I think he could be really successful at it. I think it could be a, I think it could be a really, really fun thing. You know, I'll tell you what, what, was, what was really fun to me. The audience reaction to Dean Ambrose and Seth Rollins. That audience reaction to Dean Ambrose and Seth Rollins at, uh, at, at on Raw. Because there was the, it was so natural. You know, Toronto is, is an interesting crowd. I thought they were great. You know, and, and honestly, the booing of Bailey this week, you know, it, it was kind of like, okay, you know, you're booing somebody who you don't necessarily approve of her promo right now. I can't I can't fault you for it. I don't think you should just b- blindly support. Look, I think you should boo the bad guys. But I think the good guys got to do what they got to do. Which by the way brings me back to my Enzo point. I think that Enzo is like this really really talented guy on a microphone. And there are some people like Bailey who maybe being on the microphone at this point in her career is not her strongest suit, but she can have five-star matches. Like Bailey is is an incredible performer. Go back to TakeOver two years ago and watch her match with Sasha Banks. Bailey is great in the ring. And Bailey's whole, like, presence about her is great. And the presentation is great. And the entrance is great. And the music is great. And everything about Bailey is great. But she doesn't always get that across in her promos. And maybe that's the writing. And maybe that's her. Who knows? Lots of elements go into this thing. But if Enzo were there to talk for some of the good guys who maybe, and I'm not saying he should manage Bailey necessarily, it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. If Enzo had like uh, uh, Bailey and then a couple other good guys, and he could be a manager on 205 Live too. You know, but but if he could do the talking for some of these good guys that can get it done, I don't think it would be a bad thing for anybody. Um, but that reaction to The Shield, that reaction to Seth Rollins and Dean Ambrose, Seth Rollins and Dean Ambrose, like, go in. So Dean finally offers the handshake. The crowd cheered. Yeah! Like, when storytelling goes right, it's something that I really, really enjoy. And, and it's going right at the moment. Seth Rollins, uh, uh, Dean Ambrose goes in for the handshake. We hear, yeah! We think it's going to happen. We're waiting for that handshake. And then Seth Rollins turns away, and we it's not even a boo. It's a, oh! Like, nobody in the audience saw it coming. And maybe you can say, well, of course we saw it coming. Whatever. 
Listen to the audience. Ah, that's the best. That's a great reaction to get from an audience. That, ah, because they didn't expect it when that is the reaction. They didn't expect it, and you and you actually are tugging on their heartstrings. You're actually getting some emotion out of these guys. And that's what you're trying to get, right? That's what you want. Speaking of Raw, I do wonder, uh, I do wonder what uh, the plan was for this Bailey story. Because... To me, as I said last week, Sasha Banks was the no-brainer to be in SummerSlam anyway, and I don't want to see Bailey injured, but I think it's honestly a good thing for all parties involved if Sasha Banks is the one uh, uh, trying to get the championship from Alexa Bliss at SummerSlam. Could be Nia Jax. You never know, but I think for all parties involved, Sasha Banks should be the woman who who goes for the title at uh, at SummerSlam. You know, I mean, the crowd is behind her. If there's a little more consistency, and I don't blame Sasha Banks, you know, because it's not her performance, and it's not even her injuries. Like she's not, she doesn't, she stays not injured. It's the it's the win loss consistency. If she would stay in that main event scene, that title picture, and not kind of disappear for a while and lose matches to Alicia Fox and stuff like that, it would be very easy for fans to get behind her in a big, big way, you know. And I, I think that that's, uh, I just think it's a good idea. And they and fans are still willing to do it. You can hear it when you watch the show. Fans are still willing to do it. A um, couple of SmackDown matches I'm excited about for SummerSlam that I think are going to be cool. Uh, I really love the idea of a John Cena Baron Corbin match. I think that that's really cool. Um, I think it's a great opponent for John Cena. I think it's a great spot for Baron Corbin to be in. I mean, you talk about ideal opponents. This is your guy. Uh, I don't know that Baron Corbin's going to win. But I think he still loses and he still looks better for it. You know, I don't I don't mind it whatsoever. I'm also really, you know, I mean, and it's amazing because I talk about the harm in matches that repeat. I talk about like, okay, you know, Jinder versus Randy over and over again or this match over and over again or that match over and over again. I think new, I'm excited about New Day versus the Usos. I think that the New Day Usos story is some of the most underrated storytelling going on in WWE right now. I think it's fresh. I think it's uh, unique. I, I look forward to seeing what goes on between them every week. Um, I'm just a big, big, big fan of what's going on in that story right now. I like seeing the, the New Day get a little more aggressive this week. It's just it, new dimensions are being pulled out of both tag teams through this story, and I think that's a very, very valuable thing. All right? So we'll get, we'll get a lot more into everything leading up to SummerSlam next week on the podcast. If you want to see us do it live... Then you got to come down to the Highline Ballroom. It's going to be me and Dan Soder. I'm going to have a special guest for the state of wrestling. Gah! Take a wild guess. Um, as well as other special guests. Uh, but I want you to be there. So go to HighlineBallroom.com. Get yourself tickets. HighlineBallroom.com. Be a part of uh, Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast live next week. The show will be Thursday night. Of course, there's also Summer Sam going on the next day. I'm sorry, Wednesday night. I think I said Wednesday. Wednesday night. Highline Ballroom, Wednesday night. You can be a part of of uh, the SummerSlam Preview Podcast, Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast, Wednesday night at Highline Ballroom, highlineballroom.com for tickets. Then, Thursday afternoon, August 17th, at Caroline's on Broadway, a free event, SummerSlam 3, with uh, Seth Rollins and Sasha Banks. All you have to do is email me, samrobertslist at gmail.com, and you will make the list. If you want to be on my guaranteed-to-get-in list, I'm, in, I'm, I'm leaving that open for the people who get VIP tickets for uh, the Wednesday night show. If you get a VIP ticket to the Wednesday night show, I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to make sure 
that you absolutely get in. You will not be turned away from Carolines. You will be on my list. You will get into Carolines. Uh, for those of you who do not have VIP tickets to the uh, Highline Ballroom show, I will still try to make sure that everybody gets into Caroline so that we can all enjoy uh, interviews and Q&A sessions with the boss, Sasha Banks, and uh, Seth Rollins. All right, guys? Thank you all so much for being so supportive. I can't wait to see you Wednesday and Thursday next week. Come to both shows. I'm really anxious to get to uh, talk to you guys and to have a really, really fun time. We'll see you next week on Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. Thanks for listening. Follow at MilkSam on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. And subscribe for free to listen every week to Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. Introducing Guinness Nitro Cold Brew Coffee Beer. Blending the smooth, creamy nitro taste of Guinness with hints of coffee, chocolate, and caramel. Guinness Nitro Cold Brew Coffee Beer, your new favorite part of the day. Look for it where Guinness is sold. Must be 21 and over to purchase. Please enjoy responsibly. Diageo Beer Company, New York, New York.